This is Bulls Beat on USF Bulls Unlimited. Each weekday morning, Bulls Beat is your stop for exclusive interviews, highlights, and the very latest on all sports at the University of South Florida. With today's show, here's your host, Derek Sharp. Get ready to hear Warren I-4 a couple of times in this show. It's not just baseball hosting. It is softball, the visitor, and it is men's tennis playing in the quarterfinals of the conference tournament, all against the Knights today. In fact, we would have had a quadruple Warren I-4 Friday. However, women's tennis lost, saw its season come to an end against Memphis. We'll give you a recap on that. Also tell you about a new member, officially a transfer added to the women's basketball squad as well. And we said on yesterday's show we'd kind of give you the outlook of the Big Ten Women's Golf Tournament, why it's probably going to directly impact whether the USF women get into the NCAA tournament. The men have to win the AAC event, which begins today, and we'll preview that for you here. Let's start off with baseball. It's weekend four of conference play. You get eight weekends. It's strange that they're knocking out the one repeat customer so early in the slate. That is the Bulls and UCF. Of course, this will be the last time they play each other twice in a season. The first meeting started off conference play, and the Bulls really needed at that time something good to happen. They had never won a series in Orlando. Had a chance at their first road sweep ever in the American Athletic Conference, but Happy to take two out of three. They got it with some good pitching and just enough hitting. Here's a few highlights from the last opener between these two teams. Eighth double of the season for Cantu. Six of the eight have come in the last four games. So, And that ball is definitely going to at least get the first run, and it will be caught in right field. But here comes Daniel Cantu. And Sankovic with a sacrifice fly. You'll take it. And a one nothing lead. Crowd has not had much to cheer about tonight. Showing some good baseball knowledge, acknowledging the situation here. Big difference between what it looked like this inning was going to be and what UCF hopes to keep it. Out of the stretch for some reason. And that ball is lined through the left side of the infield for a base hit. One run will score. That'll be it. That's because of how hard that ball was hit by the freshman, Rafael Betancourt. It's 2 to nothing. Got to get this guy. He's got great speed on the base pass. They don't feel like they have to get two runs. Just get him on and go from there, and he won't get on. Swung on a missed strike three, a curveball. And that is strikeout number 12 for Boogie Brown. Full count again for the second time this inning. Nobody on, two away, bowls up, two to nothing. Skeen delivers. And it's gotten underneath. That should hang up. Going back on it from second base is Montez. And the Bulls win. Just a brilliantly pitched game. That it was by two Bulls specifically. Boogie Brown, as you heard, had the 12 strikeouts, career high. And Riley Skeen finished the job. They were able to get to Rudy Gomez for just a couple runs. He entered that game with an ERA of 2.85. Since then, it has risen up a full point. That's because they left him out there in the opener of the next series against East Carolina, and he gave up 12 runs, eight earned. The Knights got swept by East Carolina, so they were sitting at 1-5 and five in conference play. But then just last week, they on Tuesday night went to Stetson and won 7-1. to one. Then they started off, and the Bats really supported Gomez in game one of their series against Memphis, 12-3. They did take a 3-1 loss in the middle game, and then with a rally late, one on Sunday, 8-6, and then another rally from down three runs on Tuesday to win 7-6. So the Bulls left UCF feeling sort of down and out, but now they've come back around. The 
game's intensity really ramped up in the second victory, the one that secured the series for the Bulls. And I have a feeling it's going to carry over to this weekend, but here's a little taste of that. Drew so far on the year, not a ton of RBI, 14. But he is batting 500 with runners in scoring position. And now he has one there. How about that? As he drills that ball deep to left field. Going back on it is Bodecker getting to the track. And thank you, Wynn. It is out of here. Home run, Drew Brutcher. And the Bulls jump ahead two to nothing. Wind aided, sure, but I'm telling you, the Lakeland launcher has had plenty of home runs die at the track this season. And so you will take that and the Bulls will take the lead. I think if he runs into too much trouble, especially when we get to the righties, I think Hootie's not gonna last throughout. But hey, maybe we'll get another double play ball here, two and one. That ball is not going to be a double play. Deep to center field, has a chance to go, and it's gone. There's the home run you figured might happen at some point, and it's 3-2. to two. Tom Jostin belts his ninth home run of the season, and we got a ball game. Kind of figured you weren't going to keep the Knights off the board forever. One more strike again. We've been here before. Skeen takes an extra breath. As do I. Here's the pitch. Swung and a miss, strike three. And are they saying that he tipped the ball? They are. Wow, I didn't see it that way. He definitely swung on it and missed it. And now both benches are giving each other the what? Like the hands out. I did not see the contact there. But what a lifeline for UCF. Just kind of replay, hard to tell. Got to look past it. It's still 0-2. Crowd's going crazy. Here's the pitch. Tapper, he's got speed. Slow roll with the Montez. He gets there in time. Underhands at the first, and the game is over. And the Bulls win the series. 3-2. Look like the UCF squad had something going, but Citra not tonight. What a dramatic victory and a series victory. UCF got the bats going in the finale 12 to 9, even though the Bulls had jumped ahead 3 to nothing. And again, 6 to 3 in the top of the fifth inning after starting pitcher Jack Siebert departed. It was a struggle for the bullpen, especially in the walk category with six different pitchers across four innings combining to walk eight. So that's kind of how it went. The Bulls and Knights, UCF, as I mentioned, has started to really pick it up in that win on Tuesday against Stetson. Ben McCabe had five hits. He is the Sarasota kid, risen to the top of their batting average chart with a career type of year, hitting 390 right now along with his 12 home runs. They can hit the ball out. Tom Jostin and Drew Farrow had 10 each. Jostin's the one that was John Jostin after his home run that you just heard. And uh, we'll keep an eye on his at-bats. They could be entertaining. Lex Bodecker, who is a sophomore, has nine home runs. And Andrew Sundin has picked it up in that department of late. Knew that he was going to start to crank some out. He only had three going into the Bulls series, and now he has eight, including two in one game against Stetson. The Bulls are five and four in conference after winning their first two series. They got beat two out of three by Houston last week and kind of a stunner of a shutout on Tuesday night at UNF. But one thing we'll ask Coach Billy Mole about, he did not start Lawson Gailey in that game. He'd been so solid for them as a Tuesday starter. I'm guessing that 
they officially have not given up on the importance of midweek games, but geared their pitching staff towards the conference play. The Bulls want to keep that position in the standings right now. They're in third place, one game behind the Houston team that beat them, and two behind the East Carolina Pirates, tied with Wichita State. And, of course, after this, we will be at the midway point of the conference schedule. One other note, had a chance to find out that I'll be going on the road with the team. We're headed to Memphis. Part of the reasoning behind that is not every school, believe it or not, is able to televise all the games, and only one of the three will be video streamed at Memphis. So now you don't have to worry about that, as we'll be bringing you the audio call on USF Bulls Unlimited. That'll be three series down the road the first weekend in May. And if you look at it, the next three series are against the three teams that are tied for last place at 3-6. and six. First against UCF, then next weekend home again to Cincinnati before going to Memphis. If the Bulls can win all three of those series and never expect a sweep, then again they will create that distance between themselves and the rest of the field. And then two tough ones to end with at Wichita and, of course, against East Carolina. We'll be on the air at 6.15 tonight for the 6.30 first pitch, and then Saturday at 2, Sunday at 1 are your game times. Nice story on GoUSFBulls.com on John Montez, the, of course, former UCF Knight who at one time was leading the Bulls in batting average. He has slipped to the fifth spot, but that's more because some other guys have caught fire, and that's good. Both Drew Brutcher and Bobby Bozer had those huge weeks. Eric Snow continues to lead the team with a 336 batting average, and Daniel Cantu's 320 is now tied with... Mr. Brutcher for second. And if you look at it right now, the two players who are not qualified as far as having enough at-bats to quote-unquote officially count batting average-wise, well, they're both right there as well as Rafael Betancourt. He's going to get to that mark pretty soon. The freshman's hitting 326. And Joaquin Monke might not get to the A-B mark, but he would lead the team right now at 341 as he is starting to become a fixture in that lineup. Really, if you include those guys, then you've got seven that are hitting 310 or better. And the eighth is hitting 299. That's Travis Sankovic of the bats. Tuesday night getting shut out in Jacksonville, notwithstanding, seemed to have it going. The only exception is Nelson Rivera, who has dipped a little bit to the 220 mark. That's why Monke has been getting more at-bats, although it was good to see Nelly speaking on John Montez in that article I mentioned. In fact, they grew up in the same area in Puerto Rico, so they've been buddies for a while. Let's hope that John Montez's new team can take down his old team once again. Softball had that drama on Wednesday in Gainesville, taking the Gators to the wire and losing on that walk-off grand slam. Actually, the teams have identical records, 27-19 and 19 overall, 6-3 and three in the conference. What separates them in the computer's eyes, well, is the schedule that UCF has put together. They actually have put together a power conference schedule in more ways than one. You see power conferences, namely in softball, the SEC, the Pac-12, the ACC, and of course the Big 12 where the Knights are headed ain't that bad either. We're going to have teams with around 20 losses still get easily into the NCAA tournament simply because of their schedule, and that's exactly kind of what UCF has put together again this year. Not as dominant of a team as was last season. The pitching isn't quite as strong, but the bats still are. They began the year, again, very tough schedule. They lost to number 10 Georgia at the time. They took a loss at home to Missouri. They went over to Clearwater and went 2-3, and three, beat the Mississippi State team that run-rolled the Bulls, but lost a couple of extra-inning one-run affairs to Duke in Alabama, or else they'd be solidly in the NCAA tournament field as it is. 
their attorney team. They actually gave UCLA a 2-1 game, losing that one out in Fullerton, California. Part of a five-game losing streak that had, at the time, the Knights 10-13. and 13. So just like the Bulls, who were five games below 500, UCF kind of turned it around in the middle of their season. Again, playing a bunch of ranked teams, though, so when they lose, they got shut out back-to-back. For instance, in Stillwater against Oklahoma State and Arizona State, a couple of top 25 teams got them ready for conference play, and they won their first game against Wichita State, but then lost the next two. They would sweep East Carolina, and then last weekend blew out Tulsa twice, but then could not hang on to a 4-2 lead in the seventh inning, losing it 5-4. That result could end up being interesting. These next two weekends certainly will be, because despite its one win against Wichita and the Shockers getting beat once by Houston last weekend, it's clear that Wichita is going to be your regular season champion, and it's all about the next three teams trying to grab spots two and three and avoid Wichita as long as they can. Well, guess what? Houston, UCF, and the Bulls are all six and three, and they have yet to play each other. And the Knights play Houston next week. The Bulls will finish their season in Houston. So still a lot of stuff to get sorted out, but more to the point, the Bulls just want to grab a win against UCF. It has been a long time. Two seasons ago, the Bulls were in control of being the number one seed if they were able to just get a series victory in Orlando. Well, easier said than done. Remember, two years ago, those were four-game sets, and the teams were pretty equal on paper, but the Bulls had dominated the series a lot thanks to Georgina Cork. They had won five straight games, but they were all low-scoring games. In fact, I'll give you the scores. 2-1, 2-0, 3-1, 3-0, and 2-0 began that four-game set to end the regular season, but UCF took the next one, then run-ruled the Bulls and knocked them out of the top spot, and then that started what has become a dominance by UCF in this series. They have won the last eight games, including a sweep in Tampa last year. Then, of course, the run-rule situation in the AAC Finals when Corrick was unavailable due to illness, and it was a championship for UCF. Again, that team went on to the Super Regionals for the first time in school history. They do not quite have the same pitching, but they got enough. And again, you look at the computer rankings, they're sitting in the number 36 spot at 27-19. and And like I said, all the teams around them are power conference teams with about the same number of losses. So truly, the Knights are like a just-on-the-fringe-of-the-top-25 power conference team. But guess what? The Bulls have played plenty of those types of teams in and out of the top 25 with varying degrees of success. A few more losses than wins, but certainly you think this will be a competitive series. The Bulls now trail the overall series by a game, 20-19, to thanks to, again, eight in a row for the Knights. I mentioned they're pitching not the same as last year. Remember, they had Gianna Mancha and Kama Woodall, the one-two punch that combined were 41-9. and The Knights last year went 49-14, and and both of those two had ERAs sub two. Well, this year, they were both gone, so it's been Sarah Willis and Grace Jewell along with Caitlin Felton, all pitching between 70 and 100 innings, although Felton, the sophomore from Newsom High School, has only pitched a couple times in conference play in their three series. It's been more about Willis and Jewel, the latter of whom pitched around 30 innings for the Knights last year and went 122 pitches against Tulsa. She's the one that gave up the five spot for the loss. However, Willis, who is a transfer from Washington, was an all-Pac-12 freshman a couple years ago. Barely pitched for the Huskies last year. Of course, they had that Gabby Plain character, but either way, she was the pitcher of the week last week. Only performed in a few games. The big one was six innings, eight strikeouts, and an easy win against Tulsa. Also picked up a midweek win 
against FIU. The player of the week was Shannon Doherty. She's been hitting pretty well, 500 last week to get those honors. The strange thing about UCF, you look at her numbers and you don't think there's anything wrong with her. Jada Cody, 299 batting average, six homers, 20 RBI, very solid. In fact, the six homers would have her tied with Marissa Tribalpiece for team lead on the Bulls. But last year, Cody, if you may or may not recall, had this incredible season, led the Knights with a 361 batting average, 15 homers and 75 RBI. So she is actually, quote unquote, struggling. She just hasn't been the same. And I probably completely just reverse jinxed it. The leaders for the Knights this year have been a couple of Evans. No relation. In fact, not even close to a relation. Chloe Evans is a transfer from Minnesota who last year was all Big Ten second team with 11 home runs. Well, this year, just the five homers, but hitting 348. Aubrey Evans is a freshman from Apopka. Not a power hitter, but 327. No one else on the team is above 300, although she has played in half their game. Savannah Adams should mention 328 with five homers and 18 RBI. Shannon Doherty, who was, again, the player of the week, is their homer and RBI leader. 8-35 and 35 with a 295 batting average. That Chloe Evans, the one with all the home runs last year, also has six triples and 12 doubles. And throw in another mention, because we talked about one of their pitchers, Willis, coming from Washington. Well, they picked up an infielder from Oregon who, in 2019, was on the All-Pac-12 freshman team. Jasmine Williams saw her playing time diminish, and she's a solid 300 hitter. They also have a stolen base type in Kennedy Searcy. We will not be broadcasting the games from over in Orlando. The original thought was to have maybe me travel with the team and then try and commandeer somebody to call the baseball back at home, but we decided just to keep an eye on softball, which we'll be doing, and the games relatively line up. While baseball begins at 6.30 tonight, softball starts at 6 over at Orlando. Baseball on Saturday at 2, softball to follow in essence at 4. And then while we're having our series finale, of baseball Sunday at 1, the softball action begins at noon. So obviously, we'll let you know what's going on over there. Also over there, a little bit closer to Tampa than UCF is, the USTA National Campus is where the conference tennis action is unfolding. The Warren I-4 for sure for the men today. The Warren I-4 we hope for for the women, not going to happen. The season came to an end for Christina Morris's squad. We'll tell you what happened. We'll also give you a preview of the men's golf tournament, which is ongoing at Bel Air. Also, we'll give you that bubble watch for women's golf. We mentioned new member of women's basketball. We'll detail that for you. We also have Around the American, a quick jaunt around the conference at the end of the hour to let you know what's happened. You know what those other teams of the Bulls go up against, even though it seems like it's just UCF this weekend. This is Bulls Beat. Stay tuned.